Hi, and thank you for listening to today's episode of Fail and Grow. Fail and Grow is a podcast for you interested about growth and profitability with me, Vilma. I'm one of the co-founders to VLOXQ, Next Generation CPQ Tool. We are seamless integrated with your favorite CRM, like HubSpot. We have a big passion for increasing sales efficiency and to make it easier for your customer to understand the value your service and product brings. And of course, so it becomes easier for the customer to say yes. Today, I'm super proud to say that my guest is Susanne Rönnqvist Amadi, VP of International Marketing at HubSpot. She's a person who inspires me in so many ways. And one of the ways are how you are truly customer obsessed. We will learn more about that during today's topic, buyer enablement. I also love the way how you give keynotes. It's a combination of inspiring, educational, humble, but at the same time a bit provocative in a way that gives food for thoughts. And the first time I met you, I didn't know how competent you really are. You spoke at the HubSpot Fair in Norway, and after your keynote, we just sat down after a long day. Maybe it was a long week for you as well, and we talked about life very openly. So you both inspire me in a professional way, but also from a human-to-human perspective. Hi, Susan. I'm so happy that you are a guest of Failing Grow today. Wow. Thank you so much for an introduction. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you so much. I'm super excited to be here. Uh, super excited to hear. I mean, we started this conversation when I came into the room about the journey you're on, uh, everything that is going on in, in uh, you know, your career, your life, and um, super excited about today. Wonderful. Happy to be here. And thank you for the kind words. You... So amazing to start a conversation on that positive note. Yes, it is. And you have earned them yourself. Thank so, you. Thank so you. It's, I'm the one who's going to be happy with that. And um, Susan, can you please tell me a little bit more about HubSpot from your perspective? Yes, of course. Um, I mean, HubSpot is really, um, yeah, from my perspective. So I look after international uh, at HubSpot, which means that I look after, you know, an amazing group of uh, customers and prospects. And our core focus is to ensure we put the customer first in everything we do. Uh, And the heart of our business is a CRM platform. And that is also where sort of all our products connect as well. So we have a lot of customer-facing applications to support that whole uh, objective of putting the customer first. So that's where our customers are, hopefully, as well. Uh, hopefully. But that, that's what we do. Uh, we're a, it's a platform uh, and a SaaS tool. Uh, uh, started more than 15 years ago in Boston, but now scaling globally. So we exist pretty much everywhere in the world. We have more than 100,000 customers and, yeah. yeah. I look after the international piece, and I'm based here in Sweden, which is uh, which is unique because we don't have a Swedish office. So I look after I look after our business um, without sort of any colleagues on the ground here. Mm. But then I have a fantastic network with people like you hmm. through HubSpot, okay. which is fantastic. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. Do you know how many Swedes there are actually working at HubSpot? This uh, she hasn't uh, been uh, yeah. able to prepare this. So. No, but great <laughs> question. I ac- I actually don't know, mm. and and sometimes I tell. Uh, when I talk to people, like mm, that accent, probably a Swede, but like it's, I don't ask. You it's know. impossible to say. It's impossible, but I'd say yeah. at least I'd say we're. It's more than ten, less than twenty. That's what I. That that's what I think. Wow. Yeah. Huge opportunity for someone when want to work in a global, Absolutely. very inspiring company. Absolutely. To apply for HubSpot. And mm-hmm. I think the world is, I mean, it's changing so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it's an interesting article I read today in Dagens Industry about you know, the future of 
the hybrid work, mm. the risks with it, mm. uh, but also like I, I started remote in my role. So I was kinda, I'm kind of one of the oldies when it comes to like setting yourself up yeah. in an international organization, mm. in a place where you don't have a colleague uh, that you meet every day by the coffee machine, you know, but just like having that sort of virtual lifestyle yeah. uh, I've had for works. the past. Sorry? Obviously it works. It works. Mm. It works. Um, but it requires an organization that is really willing to invest in a remote first culture. Do you have any advices just on top of your head when, when we are uh, talking about... Transparency is the number one advice I have. Mm. And ensuring that you have an understanding for someone that don't have the full picture, that don't have someone just next to them that they can ask any question. Mm. I th- onboarding takes probably a little bit longer joining a company fully remote and in a fully remote mm. uh, culture but there are companies like to like Hopin for example I met their founder and we talked about how he is hired I don't know how many hundreds of people and mm. he only met like six <laughs> in his whole company since yeah. he started the company wow. mm. and you know they have had an exponential growth over mm. the past two years mm. So I think my, my my biggest advice is like make sure you have a transparent organization or you will not be able to be successful with anything. Like scalability is very, very hard. Mm-hmm. It's just like making sure that you have tools, of course, to support a transparent culture as well and that yeah. you don't have any like hidden in-room decisions that will sort of keep people outside of where the decisions are made. And mm-hmm. I think that's that's important. Mm-hmm. To feel included, yeah, for sure. Yeah, to feel mm. included and um, to ensure that you get the, the, the full picture. It's mm. hard. I work across all time zones. I work with mm. many, <laughs> you know, many, um, I mean, you know, the day can start uh, with the conversation in like with someone in Sydney mm. and it can end with someone in Bogota, in Colombia. Yeah. So um, it is impossible to make sure everyone knows everything always at the same time. But like, so therefore, like for me, transparency and all that comes with that and like openness and willingness to understand the different culture aspect is really key. It's a key success factor in everything I do. And um, this is for sure a uh, next episode, I feel like yeah, everything about yeah. trans- transparency and uh, leadership yeah. working remote. Hopefully, I would say we can go back more and more because yeah. uh, at least myself and people similar to, to me uh, gets uh, energized by meeting people. Yeah. Uh, and that is a little bit tricky, I would say, working remote, yeah. uh, especially for a long time. But mm. I agree with you in my previous work that we actually yeah. met the first time. Yeah. I, I, my closest colleagues were, yeah. were partners, first of all, yeah. and none of them were sitting next to me. Yeah. So I got really quick you know just used to it yeah and like someone said could we take it when you come into office and it's like i'm not coming into office yeah, exactly. for like weeks so we have to take it now or through slack or we can just schedule yeah. a quick call yeah tomorrow or something yeah. like that to have that kind of culture yeah yeah it requires a different availability like you say as mm-hmm. well like be uh, not uh, being available and see like slack or whatever tool you use yeah as a way to communicate and almost think about someone being next to you but virtually next to you. Exactly. Uh, and Like open rooms you can just jump into yeah. where most of the people are available in or exactly. something like that. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And um, because I think the hardest thing is uh, that it, for me, at least when COVID happened and every, everything changed, mm-hmm. like I started seeing more and more like meetings pop up for, for conversations. And you don't need to set aside an hour for like a check-in. 
you don't maybe no you don't even need to meet like it's like okay. so I always tell people like mm. don't email me and if you email me be super clear in the headline yeah. that it's important that I need to reply to it at mm. or you know at my earliest convenience or slack me yeah and uh, slack me is the best thing like mm. it's impossible otherwise because everything's just going to pile up in the inbox and yeah. it, I can't keep it I have a full inbox constantly yeah. I, ne- <laughs> I, I never that. have a zero like yeah. <laughs> unread <laughs> I, I probably also have because I'm much more confident than you were. But no, I haven't. I know that. It's impossible. Yeah, it's yeah. impossible to come yeah. stuff all the time. Yeah. Well, uh, great to have you here. Great Thank to you. Have you here. And uh, since this is an after work, I wonder what's your favorite after work drink? Champagne always. Champagne. Like how can you even have an after work without champagne? It's the first <laughs> thing you start with and the last thing you end with, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully. No, I love champagne. Or like a good like a, a good dry prosecco works as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Um, If you have to choose between cava, cremant, and prosecco, is prosecco then your no cremant? Cremant. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what I would do. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably uh, good choice. Yeah, and then <laughs> prosecco and last one cava. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But first choice always champagne. Have you been to Champagne? Never. Have you? Yes, I have. How 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 wonderful is it? And it was uh, it was better than expected. Really? And it was actually quite bad weather when we were there. But yeah. we had uh, one of the days were sunny and nice, and then yeah. of course everything is more beautiful when it's sun outside. Yeah. And you know, in every store they had like the best champagne you ever had, but really? for none of a cost. And they yeah. were so passionate about yeah. the drinks, the stories and behind, and yes, everything. everything. Yeah. So I can truly recommend. Yeah, and it's super easy. You just uh, yeah, fly to Paris, then you drive for like one and a half hour. Then you're wow. There. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but did you have like now? I guess you have to schedule and book time to to get there. Uh, yes, I would. I would guess so. But um, we had to do that actually, I and mean, this was before, of course. Yeah, the pandemic yeah, yeah. Was there, but uh, we also scheduled, and uh, and it's of course depending on how big the house is. Yeah. Uh, if you had drop, and I yeah. would. For sure, recommend going to the more private ones. Yeah, yeah. Then maybe going to Moe or something yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly. You can do, go to one of them, but yeah. go to the other houses that you never heard yeah. about. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. To get that truly like unique, like family. I want you want that family feeling, not the whole. You don't want the the, the factory feeling. No. You want it to be like. It's interesting to see yeah. one factory. Yeah. Because, because you know how good the output is, yeah. and it's still in a factory. Yeah, yeah. So it's like inspires you business wise, I would yeah. say. Yeah. But then you won't have that. You 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 want to have that local family feeling. Yeah. You know? That's interesting. Mm-hmm. A business inspiration from champagne production. Yeah. Why not? Like <laughs> it has to be agile, fast, <laughs> exactly. fresh, and it, and the output must be. Perfect. perfect. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. Every time also. Yeah. You can't have a bad you can't have a bad bottle really nope. if you have a brand not a single with one. that prominence. Nope. Yeah. And especially in champagne, I would say yeah. they're a little bit yeah, yeah, unique in that sense. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Okay, uh, champagne it is. Good to know. <laughs> yeah, good to know. Good to know. And moving on to yeah. my favorite part of this episode. Yeah. It's uh, your funniest work related fuck up. Yeah. What would you like to share with us today, Susan? Well, first, I would like to say that I think fuck-ups in general are good. Likewise. (laughs) Uh, If you learn from them. I think you learn more from successes, however. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think, like, you learn what doesn't... It's it's, If you learn what's working, learning from a success Mm -hmm. makes you grow more than if if you mess up completely. Uh, it's not always to know what to do with a mess up. uh, But sometimes you get real learnings that will help you, like, grow uh, and like get a different perspective to things but not always know what the success is just because you had a failure and I think that's that's important to like important to address Mm -hmm. um 
So I do. I actually I do. never thought about it this way, but yeah, this is so but true because yeah. we can have like a, a harder learning, or maybe yeah. that affects you more. But it is exactly as you say. It doesn't. Mm. Um, it doesn't end up in a success just because just you don't if, do no, that again. No, exactly. Yeah. And that's the the kind of thing that I think is um, important to address. And and it, it's it's not to it's not to sort of scare people off from failures because mm. we do fail more than we be you know we're successful <laughs> yeah and, and, and like it's true right yeah and um like i i'm i mess up i mess up many times and i i constantly fucking things up is a hard <laughs> hard way of yeah. putting it but i think um i've done small and big I've had both really small and and really big failures, but one of the things I sort of one one specific mess up I did when I was in my early career or very early, I was a marketing assistant and I was responsible for um, also for producing posters at that time. You know, posters was like a huge part of the <laughs> the marketing playbook for some reason I don't know. But we basically I was at this company. We we were uh, we produced printers, barcode printers. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we were shooting fantastic uh, creative images of these printers that we were about to launch, like a whole new series of printers. So, like, I brought in, like, the best photographer. We hired a studio for, like, uh, two days, you know, when we we did amazing photo shoots and produced fantastic posters, um, and I was responsible for this globally. So uh, the, 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 the mess in all this, that the cost for shipping the posters was almost 10 times the cost of actually producing the actual printer so uh the the what i learned from there is number one like you have to take all things into consideration Uh, and this is is my this might sound like the well it was just a poster mess up like it's nothing but if you start your career with that like it's it was a huge like punch in my face like shit i did not include uh, the full cost of doing this, mm. and I had one budget, and I obviously failed hitting that budget. Uh, but <laughs> a the bit. L- yeah, a bit. Uh, but the learning here, yeah. uh, and uh, I haven't done many poster productions after this. But <laughs> the the learning here is like there are uh, as a marketer, I think it's very easy to hide actual costs for doing something to prove a better return of your investments. I could have easily hidden that cost as a, you know, if you take it out, the program cost of it. If you, mm. if you like, you split the marketing budget and you have program costs and you have like cost of service, like hiring someone or like, Some you know, overhead, over thing. the overhead cost. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so I really learned to think about marketing from more than just like one angle. Like mm. what is the actual investment in something that I'm doing yeah. versus the output? Mm. And it's so hard as a marketer to uh, sometimes like get that from and have the guts to say like this doesn't work. This is gonna like producing posters, putting them up on the walls, shipping them because they did like average cost for the big um, what do you call it like in Swedish the big the the big like wooden box that you put them on you know uh-huh. the heavy pile okay, yeah. the, 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 like a, a huge thing that where you pile up the posters yeah, on exactly, exactly. so they do like an average weight of that uh, and sh- and shipping that to Japan as an example yeah. like it's crazy the, expensive, the crazy expensive. Yeah. and it's very easy to not take those things into consideration mm-hmm. when when uh, like building a marketing playbook mm-hmm. and this is a a simplified example of something because uh, it's about poster printing mm-hmm. 
but, but adaptable I, on so many things. Ad- exactly. Yeah. And I think mm. the challenge from then, back in the 90s when this happened, mm. was that at that time... Uh, we were we couldn't be as agile and fast as we are today. Like you and I can probably test emails and know yeah. within an hour if they worked or not. You know, exactly. we can be mo- much more agile and, and sort of um, reactive in our approach and now. Definitely and definitely fa- data driven. We yeah, yeah, yeah. We know the, that can yeah, help know. us with analyze uh, and insights and everything. But at yeah. the time, at the time, you couldn't. Mm. And I've spent. I spent. I also spent like hours and hours on like hours and hours, I'd say weeks uh, on like producing customer newsletters, Mm. printed customer newsletters. Uh, And if you look at how fast we produce it today Mm. and how fast we can change something, major fuck-ups today aren't the same as if you do something in print and if, or if you do things in an event. Mm. But I've also been on stage ripping my pants into two pieces (laughs) So I've done like, if you, if, you know. Did uh, you uh, notice it first or the audience first? I noticed it first because I could hear the sound from my pants. Uh, and that's not the sound you want to hear. No, that's not the sound. No, that's no. not the pep talk, <laughs> like the pep sound you want. So I was basically, it was, uh, we had, it was, it was uh, something we did with Gartner Group and uh, I was on stage and I was, sort of leaning over, bending over like um, a, a pile of like giveaways to oh. throw something from the stage. <laughs> and when I did that, I heard like, and everything just went open. Uh, and I backed out from the stage okay. to our receptionist. She was like supporting us backstage. And I was like, I need a sweater or whatever. Like something very to, elegant. Just yeah, I just backed up like, and I told them like, can you put something on so I can, can and she was laughing so hard. That it was hard to like, continue the the whole meeting and like Gartner they can be I mean they're, they can be super serious everything is super serious I feel with them so uh, it's a research company so it's, it's research mm-hmm. and very serious mm-hmm. and like I yeah you know I've done the, and this is just a this is just a small portion of everything I've done but I've done many mistakes in my <laughs> life for sharing yeah. <laughs> it's always so tricky you know you start laughing and then you should be like serious again talking about yeah. today's topic but yeah. the, I just love it That's there's why so much we can take yeah. in to these conversations <laughs> yes. like we could do a show only uh, like of <laughs> okay. mine per, my, my personal <laughs> mistakes and fuck ups I'm happy to share some of mine as well at that show, <laughs> yeah. of course. But uh, thank you for sharing this ones, And uh, I think um, great learnings for both of them. I yes, guess. De- definitely, definitely. Definitely. Now it's uh, it's time to talk about today's topic. Yep. Uh, and I'm, uh, I'm super certain of there's mm. something close to heart for both of us. Yeah. Spire Enablement. Yes. And I had the pleasure to talk to one of your colleagues for, I think it's maybe two years ago or something, yep. Amy Banks, customer yep. support manager. Yep. And she described how your support works when she could talk to uh, a customer for yeah. four to five minutes till yeah. the customer is finished and yeah. feels like, thank you for, for supporting me. Thank you for taking yeah. your time. Yeah. And f- from my heart perspective, that is like, wow. Yeah. I I would nothing else than Deluxe Q and their yeah, customers, yeah, yeah, yeah. our customers saying the same mass in the future. Yeah. But in the other perspective, quite expensive, you know, four to five minutes talking to someone. Yeah. But to me, this is really buyer enablement. Yeah. Is this one way of walking the talk or yeah. what's yeah. your perspective of buyer enablement? Yeah. 
My perspective when I talk about buyer enablement is that, of course, but also from a marketing perspective, we take that angle uh, because that's sort of where my my, my core focus is currently is uh, instead of thinking of marketing as a way to enable a sales organization, we make it easier to buy our product. So we enable our potential customers and also our customers and like understanding conceptually what we're all about, uh, you know, or why you, why you need a CRM, ensuring that you're fully equipped with all the insights before you want to make an you want to make a decision to invest. I think that's a paradigm that is shifting, and I talk a lot about uh, about this a lot uh, at in in keynotes and in other podcasts and with other people that are interested. But I think there's a shift where, especially from a from a B two B marketing perspective where uh, sort of marketers move from being su- supporting an organization to supporting a customer. Mm. Uh, and uh, where the customer sets the agenda and the needs uh, versus the, the, you know, a, a, sales, a sales manager or even a CEO. Mm. Uh, so I think it's all about adding value to a market before you extract the value from a market. And with that comes buyer enablement. And it has to be like I think the heart of of your business, and then of course, uh, like you say, like it's what about what about cost associated? Yeah, but I think it pays off long term, uh, because you you could have lost that customer maybe, and 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 you know losing that customer that you spent four to five minutes on, um, it's, it's probably more, more expensive, expensive than the four to five minutes you invested. Mm-hmm. So I think about everything that we talked about, also like the failures and etc. Like you learn from like failing to support your customers will be the biggest failure of your business. Mm-hmm. And failing to support uh, someone that asks for help will be your biggest failure of that day. And that's why I think it's like, it has to be something that is really core to, core to every organization's like value, I think. Mm-hmm. It's by enablement, is something new? Is it a new buzzword or is that something that we have labeled or how would you mm. because I for me it's like uh, it's within your heart or it's not and then you have to learn mm. uh, for example if we would go to a restaurant yeah. you can very quickly uh, see yeah tell them see. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Exactly. if they really care about us as customers yeah. Yeah. Uh, or not or yeah. how would you describe the buyer enablement yeah I, that, I think that is changing to other organizations as well because like like you and I probably like when we think about service it's like so easy to connect it to an experience in a restaurant yeah. but why can we not have that experience in like business to business touch points mm. I, I think I am certainly more demanding now than I used to be in a b2b context or i've yeah. always been demanding or I'd always say what i you know want and and what i think is important <laughs> yeah and like i have i don't have so many filters really uh so for me it's like there's no hidden agenda like mm-hmm. i won't help you're there you're the expert like give help me mm-hmm. and i think you, you have to want to help and you That's have right. to like constantly repeat that to your business mm-hmm. in all departments like there is not a single organization or a department at HubSpot as an example that will not have customer in their vision like customer in their mission Mm. like we have that's we are there to solve for the customer not for anyone else I'm not there to solve for the sales problems or solve for whatever it could be in another you know part of the organization I'm there to solve for our customer Mm. so that's why if it's a buzzword that was your initial question like I, I think customer customer centricity has been like a buzzword 
yeah. and it's a, like mm. a worn out uh, <laughs> word that yeah, many people right. say, mm. Mm. but don't but live. Really? Mm. Yeah, mm. like the, like you say, you feel it. Yeah, and I I think people should take think about it just as in in a restaurant. Like I want to feel that you generally want to help me, mm. not that you want to sell to me. Mm. Like I. The, the, I think the purpose is like making it, making your product and your solution and your whatever it is that you're selling something that buyers want to buy versus you having to really aggressively sell. That's changing. Yeah. You want them to say yes. You don't want it to feel pushed down the throat with. No, some. exactly. And you want them to want you, right? Yeah, exactly. Versus you having to push your like offer. Force them. Force them to <laughs> yeah. buy. Yeah. No, never. Yeah. Never, and never. so make it easy. Make like i think it's all about making your product and solution easy to find easy to buy uh, have your first interaction with a salesperson maybe be extremely positive mm. the first impression and the first interaction you have with customer support and of course then also the experience of your product needs it needs to match all this so i think uh, it's, it's a really a company strategy it's a company strategy i don't think it's a trend uh, I think it's a forever statement that most, if you don't have it at the at the heart of your business, I think you'll be people. I mean, other companies will just run faster than you, and, sure. or be more focused on the customer because the product itself is it's products are becoming less and less unique, right? Yeah, it's That's the nice. experience you want, and yeah, if you have a good experience, mm. you want to relive that experience, mm. and you want to feel that experience. You're gonna remember that experience. Especially if it appeals to you emotionally. You remember a positive vibe, you remember that. And you want to relive it. Like, you want to have that again. So that's why I'd, I think it's more than a trend. Or I know it's more than a trend. <laughs> we, can be, you know. we can be cocky and say that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. so. Yeah. Yeah, I'm certain of that. And if, um, how do you balance when you say that the customer are guiding you yeah. and then you want to educate your customers? Mm-hmm. How do yeah. you balance that? Yeah. Well, the customer will guide us on where what what they want to learn more about. Mm. So for example, when we build when we build out our content strategies at, mm. at, at the company where I work now at HubSpot, uh, we we focus on ensuring that we understand what people are asking for before we provide like a content calendar that is our perspective. Mm. And I think one of the challenges is that at least I've experienced in the past and spent so much time on, useless time, like trying to figure out a content agenda that is like mine, that I own myself based on like whatever product we're launching or whatever sales think mm. is the topic, mm. the, the hot topic right now. Yeah. And the, the inside out uh, perspective <clears throat> is, I think, challenging if you want to provide value from what the customer really wants to know. So... When we do content, we research how, what people are asking about online. Mm-hmm. We research what questions are being asked. Um, we ensure that we deliver our expertise expertise within that specific mm. topic and build our basically build our our, our playbook and our, our, our uh, you know um, content calendars based on that versus like the inside out pro- you know approach. Mm. I think you can have like both as well because there are some things that you might want to be thought leaders within or that if you want to change a status quo or like challenge something, I, mm-hmm. you, you can't always use it based on like how people search and what they ask for. It, you ha- It has to be your perspective to things. But I think a good balance is really important, especially if you're yeah. looking to drive volumes to your site as an example. Of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Do you see any industries within B2B? 
that are better at buyer enablement and that other industries can can learn from maybe because it's often easier to go to B2C. <laughs> yeah, it's easier to go mm. to B to B2C, but I think that if you can take one business that has completely changed, mm. I think it's the car industry as an example. Yeah. You okay. don't yeah. yeah, you don't have like you, you like think about how you bought a car 20 years ago. Mm. You 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 had to go to the car dealer. Yeah. And like trying to trust that trying person. to yeah exactly <laughs> which is like the 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 the, 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 the you know the character that you would laugh you know, uh, you, you Sometimes, know, yes. yeah, yeah. Would you would think like it's not the kind of the sales character that you would want to meet, like in in a one to one conversation. You know, they would try to sell to you or like be that person that you feel like I, I can't trust what he or she is saying. Mm-hmm. So if you think that industry and you look at how uneducated the buyers uh, a couple of years ago, I, I think about myself, like when I bought my first car. Yeah. You know, uh, you went into the car dealer, uh, you walked around, you looked at the, the, the cars, you talked to someone, you didn't really get the, what the person was talking about. Mm. While today, you don't even have to meet someone to buy a car. No. Uh, That's fantastic. It's fanta- yeah, exactly. You can design your, your You design own. your car mm-hmm. online. And you order it. You order it and everything, you can read anything you want. You can compare different models. You can, you, you know, there's so many tips and tricks online when you buy a car that it's like, it's easy, pretty easy for you to make a decision. Uh, when you go to the, when you come to the actual store today and you want to buy a car, you're not there to, you know, uh, talk about the engine with the salesperson or like ask for the colors it comes with. You know, you're there to, because you, you probably more or less already made your decision. Mm. Uh, you just want to feel, you know, how, how it is to drive it. Maybe you want to test drive it and like, you know. Mm. So I think that industry has changed a lot. Yeah. And that's B2C and a bit B2B as well, of sure. course, as they mm. sell both to businesses and to, to consumers. But I think everything else online, like a digital experience, uh, if you're, if you, if you take like the yeah take CRM that we that I represent today, but everything else that is sort of online online the company you represent like there are paradigm shifts happening right now, because you will probably never do sales. Maybe you won't do sales. Never. I would say you probably your your ability to sell something really complex, uh, without actually meeting a person, mm-hmm. definitely is like possible now. Mm-hmm. And we started our company and never met one another, more or less. Exactly. Mm-hmm. How cool is that? So it's possible for sure, I would say. Yeah, to say comp- exactly. Uh, super complex enterprise deals. Completely Absolutely. remote. And completely remote and completely yeah. digital as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, it seems here it's to provide the buyer with all information needed, but in a... Uh, attractive way so it's easy exactly to to, to explore and yeah. to understand uh, the content that yeah. we provide with or the information yeah. they see yeah right? yeah think about yeah. scalability with that as mm-hmm. well because you don't have to have uh, a, a person telling you why uh, or how to do something you can consume all these insights yourself and make a decision earlier uh mm-hmm without having to be convinced by someone. And I think that's all about like empowering the buyer, empowering the buyer to, uh, and you know, to, 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 um, to make it easier to, to make a purchase. Hmm. It's absolutely possible. I, yeah, and I agree. And uh, I think everything comes back to just make it easy for the customer to say yes. 
or yeah. to say no to make yeah. a yeah, yeah, yeah. well informed Absolutely. decision yeah, yeah. that exactly. is what it's all about you want to know how to also yeah. um that's what i think a, a lot of like buyer enablement is also like if i become a customer how do i sort of end my relationship with you if i have to mm. you know um is it a nice feeling or isn't yeah mm. And so and you want to have that be super transparent as well, like transparent pricing, or you want to make sure that it's really clear, like if I want to discontinue this service or not use the product, mm. how do I do that? Yeah. Is it clear what it takes? Mm. And, and that is like, if you reflect back on yourself as a customer mm. from a private perspective, mm. you don't sign up for any, anything unless you know how to back out. Uh, or exactly. so, yeah, maybe mm. some people do. I certainly don't. Like, I want to know um, what do I sign up for it, here. Of course, depends on what it is. But yeah, and it depends know. on the cost. Like, yeah. yeah. Mm. But you want to know, and and you would be really upset if, as a consumer if you thought you signed up for something that is a month, but you actually signed up for a year. Definitely long contract. Yeah. So be transparent. Yeah, mm. and I've worked for companies mm. like many many years ago without saying no names, mm-hmm. that you when you signed up, you signed up for twenty years. Wow. Yeah. 20 years yeah. that's like a lifetime <laughs> yeah you can you, you can if you google that you will know what the companies i worked for and the end but like it's um i think that was like the maximum you could sign up for I, i'm sure there are companies like still people are still paying like for something for they signed life. up yeah oh, that's insane that, yeah like license costs horror. and yeah. like on-premise costs and and like renew it every year so just it's weirdly it, it's a, it used to be weirdly expensive to do certain things and like it's it's exciting to have been part of of like the tech world for so many years. I've sort mm-hmm. of seen the, I've seen the involvement. Yeah, definitely <laughs> crazy. Is there something? Unfortunately, we have to yeah. round up. Is there something? Really? Yeah. Already? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Time really flies today, but uh, connected to buyer enablement, there's just yeah. something finalized you would like to send out to our to our audience out there. Yeah. Be truly genuine when it comes to putting the customer first and that will help you a long way like re- you it's it's uh, it's more it's more than a strategy it's strategy combined with alignment mm. um, that will make it work and it's not a sales or marketing thing it's a company thing thank you so much for thank so you. many learnings <laughs> very educa- educational <laughs> thank you for sure So, Susan, now I'm gonna, uh, you're going to have a, a question from yeah. someone who had guessed the pod earlier on, mm-hmm. podcast earlier on. So, here it comes. This is Mikko, one of the co-founders of Vaino, Finnish SaaS company. And uh, the question that I'd like to ask from the next guest in this podcast is that what are some of those things you know are true, but are at the same time a little bit difficult to admit? That they are true. Tricky question. Yeah. I know performance reviews <laughs> with my teams. <laughs> that must be a tricky part. Yeah, is um, is important. And I probably should invest more time in them than I do. Uh, but I always push it to the last minute. And it's one of my absolute most it's one like a guilt really guilty conscious of mine. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like super, super important and yeah. probably something that make them feel seen, heard, listened to, yeah. developed. Yeah. But of course, it always also takes a lot of takes a lot of time. time it's my absolute yeah, to, to yeah. Really 
you, you want to have a, get yeah. a good feedback, I guess. When and that. so that's mm-hmm. why I think that's why they're, I, I do them last minute, but I know that they're important for everyone, but I like dread doing them. <laughs> <laughs> but I do spend a lot of time preparing for a performance review, at least, at least two hours per person. Yeah. So it's more than I think most people do. I would think so too. Yeah, uh, but it's still something that it's there. Like there's real inertia when I try to do that. It's like hard to get it out. That's the one thing that I know I should be doing a better job at. Okay. Maybe twenty 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 two will be that year. That yeah, exactly. That. <laughs> do it in time. When I when I change, yeah, I, I actually, then you can set the plan now. Yeah, and exactly, can, and I can roll it out yeah. more effectively. But it's one of those things. <laughs> admin work always uh, things I need I know I have to do but it's yeah. so yeah you do it when you have to yeah exactly well thank you Miko for, for your yeah, thank you, Miko. and I hope you are satisfied with <laughs> at least I am well this was great talking to you Suzanne and if you want to come in contact with you is it LinkedIn or where LinkedIn can... is always the easiest way mm-hmm. usually available there for any questions or like connections of course very Uh, interesting to get to know new people and hear more about hear more about people's challenges. And uh, I would like to thank our sponsors, Yada Yada and the Story of You. And I'm also very curious who else you would like to listen to in the podcast Fail and Grow. I would love to hear uh, Sebastian, the founder of Klarna. Me too. <laughs> <Sebastian> <laughs> But I think so he's <laughs> he is uh, he's a tricky one to get. I used to work with him. He's, Maybe if he's you connect be- us, yeah, the chances are higher. He is fantastic. Uh, mm. I learned so much for him uh, from him. Also, uh, David Sundström, mm-hmm. the um, CMO of Klarna, mm-hmm. also great person. Maybe Those some of two. you guys could put yeah. away an hour for exactly. this for Suzanne. <laughs> Absolutely. And to wrap it all up, when we are out in the yeah. sun having that uh, super nice after work with yeah. a bubbly champagne in our glass, yeah. which song are we listening to to really get your mood going? I'm an old school hip hop wow. kind of girl <laughs> or girl lady, I should say. Uh, so I'd go for Hypnotize with B.I.G. <laughs> Thank you for that. Thank you for coming to the guesting the, the podcast today. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. <laughs> Underbart Det gick ju kalas Fick det ihop något tror jag Ja verkligen Definitivt ja, Alltså tiden gick så jäkla fort Det är så kul att prata om såna här saker Så det blir väldigt lätt att man ja, men Jag hade ju typ så här, Tänkte typ så här, tre frågor till Som såg så bara Ja Nej det, nej, det kommer ju inte det hinner, Hinnas med nej, liksom. nej. Det bara är så Men jag, men jag tror 